Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Welcome and thank you for being with us as together we defend truth, justice, and the American way. And defend we must. We have now incredibly entered the seventh year of the deep state and Marxist Dems political persecution of President Donald Trump. Think of that. More than six years of persecution, assaults on President Trump, ongoing harassment, hounding, prosecution, lawsuits, and to what end and when will it end? The Dems and Deep State have from the beginning meant to destroy President Trump if they can, any way they can. And to this point, the only crimes that have been revealed are their own, and there have been many. In carrying out a search and seizure raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago offices, the politically corrupt FBI and DOJ have again broken laws and only added to their increasingly sordid legacy. The strangest of many strange elements in the FBI-DOJ Mar-a-Lago scandal has been the sudden, it seems, emergence of former Attorney General Bill Barr, his emergence as the staunch vocal defender of the corrupt FBI and DOJ and the crooked, impaired puppet president who ordered that outrageous and unlawful raid on Mar-a-Lago. At the same time, Barr has become a persistent, frequent, and impassioned assailant of President Trump, so much so that large questions are arising. Among them, first, why would the former top law enforcement officer in America choose to defend a president he knows for certain fact to be a liar and thoroughly corrupt? Second, why would Barr attack former President Donald Trump, who Barr knows for a certain fact has been the innocent target of the Marxist Dems and Deep State for more than six long years. And third, has Barr forgotten that his oath of office was to protect and defend the Constitution, not the institution he once headed? There's a lot to consider in all this. There's little that's simple here. And to take up all of this and more, our guest today is the remarkable, highly respected journalist, John Solomon. John is the founder and editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com. John, thanks so much for being with us here. I, I want to turn to the issue of the sudden public uh, parade of William Barr and his judgments on applicable law to the search and seizure of Mar-a-Lago documents from President Trump. Uh, first, I, I'd like to play this this sound, a bar addressing why it was necessary for the Department of Justice and FBI to suddenly carry out a raid against Mar-a-Lago. Uh, here is uh, cut one, uh, Bill Barr. People say this was unprecedented. Well, it's also unprecedented for a president to take all this classified information and put him in a country club. 
okay? And how, how long is the government going to uh, try to get that back? You know, they jawbone for a year. They were deceived on the voluntary uh, actions taken. Uh, they then went and got a subpoena. They were deceived on that, uh, they feel. And the, record, the facts are starting to show that they were being jerked around. John, I, I didn't hear a single reference to law, to regulation, convention. Uh, I just heard about feelings and uh, a conclusion, certainly not in law, uh, what is this felony uh, called being jerked around? What yeah, it's it, listen, it's, an, it's certainly not a, a term that shows up in any of the statutes that I've been able to find. I, it's very interesting. I think you get to see in this uh, recent wave of interviews that Bill Barr has done two things about him. One, he is an institutionalist. He actually believes the Justice Department and FBI are good organizations fundamentally, and they can be trusted on most things, and that the president should have bent uh, to the will of the Justice Department and the FBI. Now, to make that uh, argument, the, the, the logical arguments he's making in those interviews, he has to eat all the words he said about the FBI and Justice Department in its unlawful, illegal pursuit of the very same president under Russia collusion. Uh, he, get, he assigns a level of trust to the FBI and Justice Department on this issue that his own investigation about the FBI and Justice Department just a few years ago said there wasn't a warrant, there wasn't trust to be warranted. There were egregious behavior. And I think it, you see two different uh, Bill Bars here, basically almost forgetting that this was the same Justice Department pursuing the president unlawfully five years ago. And I think at the end of the day, he's making an emotional argument not rooted in the law. And when we get to the issue of trust, let's just take a look at what we learned uh, four or five days ago uh, from uh, Judge Eileen Cannon in the state of Florida. She names a special master. That's what everyone remembers from her ruling. But when you dig into the ruling, Judge Cannon debunks the Justice Department's you can trust us argument. Remember, the Justice Department said two things going into this hearing. There was only a small number of uh, privileged documents that we found and took and seized. And two, we have this great system called the filter slash taint team system, and we took care of this. We got it right. You have nothing to worry about. Well, here's what the judge revealed about that. That small number of privileged documents was more than 500 pages of attorney-client privilege documents. I talked to the former FBI's assistant director for intelligence, a guy who did these sort of cases, these classified national security cases. He said no agent in their right mind with all of their training that they get at Quantico would ever take 500 pages of attorney-client privilege documents. But the second thing that Judge Eileen Cannon pointed out is, hey, that filter system, it failed. There are at least two sets of documents that were clearly marked privileged that the filter team allowed to get to the frontline investigators. In other words, fruits of the poison tree got all the way to the front line of the investigation. The filter system, the we trust us, the honor system uh, failed. So the judge who looks at this from a legal and evidentiary standpoint, which Bill Barr doesn't seem to have done, uh, sees very serious problem. In fact, multiple times in her ruling, she says, I disagree with the Justice Department. I have a different opinion. The court takes a different view on the record of the Justice Department in this case. That's the sort of Bill Barr I would have appreciated, looking at the evidence and the fact, not the emotion and the rhetoric, and also being consistent because he told us repeatedly during the Russia collusion case there was cheating. The honor system didn't work. They didn't tell 
the uh, the uh, FISA court of the uh, exculpatory evidence. Why should we believe that that Justice Department suddenly got fixed in time for this raid? There's a disconnect between Bill Barr, his rhetoric, and his own history of uncovering problems in the Justice Department. You know, all great points and points that you would have, as you said, expected Bill Barr to be making. Let, let's hear Bill Barr on the special master appointment issue. Now, a number of highly respected attorneys have said that uh, if there's a problem with the special master, it is that the plaintiff's attorneys didn't do it soon enough. Yeah. Uh, here is Bill Barr again going after the president and the only judge that has stood up in Southern Florida uh, to the Justice Department. I think was wrong, and I think the government should appeal it. Uh, it's deeply flawed in a number of ways. <clears throat> I don't think the appointment of a special uh, master is going to hold up, but even if it does, I don't see it fundamentally changing the trajectory. I, in other words, I don't think it changes the ball game so much as maybe we'll have a rain, uh, rain delay for a couple yeah. of innings. I, he sounds more like a meteorologist than an attorney or former attorney general. I, his reasoning is specious. There is no reference to law whatsoever or precedent, uh, except to say it's unprecedented, to acknowledge that it's unprecedented to raid a former president's house. What's going on in this instance, John? Well, listen, it, it, it's, it, it's really a... Um comment unbecoming someone as learned as Bill Barr. Why? Because Bill Barr knows if there are 500 pages of attorney-client privilege, passports, medical records seized by the FBI during this raid, that there has been a significant and serious over-collection of evidence. The sort of thing that defense lawyers would go to court for any uh, defendant, even if they were a drug dealer or a uh, con artist or a uh, pyramid scheme, uh, conspir conspiracy. They, they, we believe in the fundamental uh, belief that the justice system has to be uh, fair. And if it's not fair, it has to be adversarial so that the defendant gets a chance to do this. Bill Barr is arguing again for a, hey, the Justice Department can be trusted. And again, I go and say, Bill Barr just told us three years ago, we couldn't trust the Justice Department in a, in a similar investigation of the same guy, Donald Trump. And then inside the judge's ruling, there are all the reasons why the trust the Justice Department, no need for a special master argument falls apart. They admit taking 500 pages of attorney-client privilege materials. They admit taking passports, articles of clothing, medical records, which are clearly privileged, sensitive information, tax records. None of that was in the warrant. So the judge has already found enough evidence of overcollection and improper behavior. And then it's team allowing some of that privileged material to get to the frontline investigators that there is a red flag already there is already a record of failure by the justice department how bill barr could sit there and not want to cure that not have a um thing or to minimize the gathering of privileged protected materials as some sort of rain delay in a baseball game i think he does a disservice to the constitution and remember this judge has said Right now, your system failed, Justice Department. You you allowed documents you told me you wouldn't allow to get to the front line. And oh, by the way, when I looked at your behavior, I see no evidence that you knocked the uh, 
the two people who have the fruits of the poison tree now, who got privileged materials, who shouldn't have got, you didn't even take them off the case. You didn't even do the basics to protect the uh, constitutional interests of the president. And I think that what Bill Barr has in this interview is more Trump derangement syndrome than real legal analysis. Because if he read the judge's rulings, he sees the same sort of concerns he was yakking about two or three years ago in the Russia case. Absolutely. And I, I want to go to what is motivating. Uh, it's going to be speculative, of course, on our part. But I'd like us to to speculate uh, after we review a few of his other remarks uh, about what is motivating Barr to suddenly uh, be in departure from his uh, previous behavior and, and public statements, because there is a, a significantly different uh, Bill Barr uh, who is giving voice right now publicly. Uh, I, I'd like to go to the issue, too, of Trump's basic defense that he declassified all of these documents uh, and and get the former attorney general's view here in uh, cut number two, Barr, please. I frankly am skeptical of this claim that I declassified everything, you know, because frankly, I think it's highly improbable. Uh, and second, if in fact he sort of stood over uh, scores of boxes, not really knowing what was in them, and said, I hereby declassify everything in here, that would be such an abuse uh, and, uh, that, uh, and show such recklessness that it's almost worse than taking the documents. For a moment there, I thought it was James Comey talking about uh, <laughs> recklessness and negligence uh, rather than felonious intent. I, I, I mean... This is a man saying he's skeptical. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but on what basis? Uh, improbability? I, oh, I mean, I don't even know what he was even thinking about as he tried to build a case for the, there to be no uh, right of classification on the part of the commander-in-chief or, or the right of declassification. Yeah, listen, and it, 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 I've done a lot of reporting on this. I've tried to pin down the president, his lawyers, and his office on how did that declassification occur? And uh, they have given a very detailed answer, which I don't know if the attorney general saw or paid attention to or considered. It didn't seem like he considered it in that answer. By the way, I want to say this. Attorney General Barr is a very accomplished lawyer. He's had a very real uh, successful career. I think he was instrumental in calling out and trying to stop some of the abuses of the Russia collusion case. The Bill Barr I saw on TV the other day felt like a pundit and not the accomplished lawyer that I came to cover in 20 or 30 years of my career. He seemed to be loose on the facts, imprecise on the law. And what he's arguing is, hey, it's okay to punish a president for exercising an authority that the Constitution gave him. That's what he basically is saying in that sound clip. Wait a second. The president's the ultimate declassifying authority. He's not like Hillary Clinton, who didn't have the declassification authority, who had a very specific process uh, that she would have had to follow to declassify any of those things that she had put on her email server. The executive orders that are in place, because Bill Barr is a uh, law guy, right? He's just supposed to be precise. There is a prevailing executive order. It was first signed by George W. Bush in 03. It was updated, but kept pretty much the same by Barack Obama. It's never been changed since then. So it is the prevailing order. It explicitly states 
that the president does not have to follow any of the declassification procedures that every other government official does. They are an ultimate classified authority. They can decide on a whim with a wave of a hand, a, a tweak of their eye or a wrinkle of their nose that a document's declassified. But President Trump, through his lawyers, has put a more specific piece of information out there. He described why he knew the documents that were in the residence and then taken to Mar-a-Lago were declassified. According to him, and again, it's going to come down to the evidence. Well, can he back it up? Are there witnesses? What the president has said is that I knew these documents were declassified because I created a standing order that allowed me to take documents from the Oval Office where they were still in a skiff, a protected environment, and take them to my residence, which isn't technically a skiff. And that the standing order said, if I took home classified documents with me, if I gave, told the intelligence officials who brought the documents in and were waiting to get them back, go home, I'm taking these with me, it was a standing order to declassify them. And that's how declassified documents got up to the residents. Why the national security uh, officers who normally would have stayed with the documents and taken them back when the president was done, left ship, abandoned post, left the documents there. The president says he had a standing order and that's how the documents got declassified. And he did so to facilitate his job uh, as president and taking work homework home with him. That's something Bill Barr doesn't even acknowledge or put into the equation of what's going on. And he doesn't address the fact, he sort of suggests, well, every president has to follow procedure. The answer is he, they don't. The executive order actually is explicit that the president and vice president don't have to follow the procedures that everybody else had. So again, I don't see in these recent interviews the same Bill Barr that I saw as a very accomplished, smart lawyer, and you know had a pretty good record in the Justice Department in both of his tenures as Attorney General. He seems loose and more TV pundit, less uh, careful lawyer that I'm used to seeing. Less careful and also more inventive, uh, as is the Justice Department and the FBI. There is no question whatsoever in law that these documents in the possession of a former president are his. Now, there is nothing that sets a time limit on that or sets a specific period in which there has to be a completed negotiation with an archivist. We are basically talking about a librarian, an assistant librarian at that, uh, talking about an overdue book uh, and, and turning it into a, uh, a nuclear uh, confrontation legally uh, with a former president. And by the way, with the authorization, she says, of the president of the United States. Yeah. This is mind boggling. And an attorney general in Merrick Garland, who is now caught in a lie, who said he had nothing to do with it. And finds we turn out, it turns out he had everything to do with it. He did. It was two weeks ago today that I broke the story that there was a memo from the National Archives. That And this is very important. The archives, in some ways, gets a little bit of a bum rap here because the archives were still in a negotiation mode until President Joe Biden, according to the archives' own records, said, you know what, take those boxes you got that President Trump voluntarily returned to the archives, send them to the FBI. By sending them to the FBI, they made a criminal referral. Within a couple of days of the Joe Biden giving that instruction, and that's the word the court uses, it's also the word that the letter uses that we made public, the FBI opened up a grand jury investigation. Joe Biden, the sitting president, initiated a criminal investigation of his chief rival from 2020 and his likely rival in 2024. He initiated the powers of the FBI to be unleashed on the man who is the opposition party leader in his government. 
that is something that can't be glossed over. It is something that Bill Barr didn't address at all. Maybe he didn't read into it. Maybe he missed the important reference that the judge made, or maybe he missed my story from two weeks ago. But Joe Biden is at the initiation point of this criminal investigation. And according to many of the great people I've interviewed, including FBI agents who, by the on, on most days, defend the FBI's conduct, people like Kevin Brock, they said they never saw a president order up a, a criminal investigation of a political rival in all their years and decades in government service, that it was very, very troubling. I, I don't know where Bill Barr is. Bill Barr was upset that, that Barack Obama got a briefing about Hillary Clinton's plan to dirty up Donald Trump. Well, this goes way farther than uh, uh, Barack Obama's briefing that, hey, Hillary Clinton might be dirtying up Donald Trump with some fake Russia allegations. That occurred in July 2016. Bill Barr made a big deal about that, but he doesn't seem to even recognize that Joe Biden ordered up this investigation on uh, Hunter Biden, which, by the way, until the president did that, it was being treated like a records dispute. The National Archives and the government were going back and forth trying to iron out these differences. So, Again, I don't see the bill bar with the precise mind, the careful analysis of the evidence, considering all the facts. He seems like he's become an anti-Trump TV pundit. Maybe his departure from the administration, maybe the shots that President Trump has taken at him, uh, which are personal sometimes, uh, have gotten to him. But it's a different bill bar than the person I saw for most of my 30 years covering him in government and in the private sector as well. Yeah, and let's turn to one more piece of sound from Bill Barr on the issue of action. Now, with everything that you and I have talked about, and this audience is following uh, along all of this, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that many of those who read the uh, just the news and uh, watch you on, uh, on, on Real America's Voice, they know much of this, uh, and our audience on The Great America Show knows much of this. But here is Bill Barr talking about the end, the, despite everything we've said, talking about the likelihood of indicting President Trump. Cut four. There are two questions. Will the government be able to make out a technical case? Will they have evidence by which that, w that they could indict somebody on, including him? And I, that's the first question. And I think they're getting very close to that point, frankly. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, there's another question is, do you indict a former president? What will that do to the country? What kind of precedent will that set? Mm -hmm. Will the people really understand that this is not, you know, failing to return a library book, that this was serious? And so you have to worry about those things. And I hope that those kinds of factors will incline the administration not to indict him, because I don't want to see him indicted mm -hmm. as a former president. Uh, but I also think they'll be under a lot of pressure to indict him. Because, you know, one question is, look, if anyone else would have gotten indicted, why not indict him? Well, I guess he answered his own question, didn't he? <laughs> uh, he's a former president of the United States who yeah. has the authority of, of classification and declassification. Uh, your reaction to this Bill Barr, who argues both sides of the question about indictment, and I think leaves us hanging as to what he truly wants the DOJ to do. Well, listen, even more troubling than that, uh, there is a political component that he, he makes into what is supposed to be a criminal analysis. He actually breaks his own rule of not allowing politics to affect. He just said, just because the president is a former president, I don't want to see him indicted. That isn't the standard that we use in America, but it is the standard that seems to have seeped into the mentality of the Justice Department and the permanent bureaucracy, which is politics can infect a decision. And 
when our founding fathers created this country, they said that politics should be, or that uh, justice should be blind. Political considerations should not apply. Now, most of the time when we talk about this context, we talk about it in the context of you shouldn't pursue a prosecution just because you want to get your political enemy, which was the story of the Russia collusion case. But it's just as damning for a person like uh, Bill Barr to say Donald Trump shouldn't be president uh, or shouldn't be prosecuted simply because he's a former president. That's a political consideration that treats Donald Trump differently under the law. By the way, Donald Trump doesn't want to be treated differently under the law. He wants to be treated like everybody else. Uh, this this sentiment that Bill Barr expresses here is behooving to me. It's so different from the scholarly, constitutionally accurate Bill Barr I've seen. And it's just a sloppier version of him. And why do I say that? Listen, if the president committed a murder tomorrow, God, not that I say he would, but are we going to just say, oh, we don't want to see him prosecuted because he's the former president? It, it's a silly rationale that Bill Barr is spewing here. And it gets into, I think, what has been an erosion of the bright line in the Justice Department. Politics shouldn't matter at any moment. And that includes in the Hunter Biden investigation. And I have a bone to pick with Bill Barr's Justice Department because in the summer of 2020, on multiple occasions, I had been told that there was a criminal investigation of Hunter Biden and they waved me off it. And when I mean waved me off it, they said, it's not true. Don't go with that. You'll be embarrassed. That's a hard wave off. So like a good reporter, I didn't use it until I could prove they were wrong. Uh, and later, Bill Barr describes how excruciating it was to keep that a secret. In my argument, I, I would argue is people lied to me. But let's assume that it wasn't a lie. It was some effort to keep the, the, the secret. He He's so conflicted. He basically says, well, we have a rule in the Justice Department. In the 90 days before elections, you don't take actions that can impact the election. Okay. But Bill Barr didn't actually abide by that rule. In the fall of 2020, he released a whole bunch of documents about Mike Flynn that implicated the Obama-Biden administration in wrongdoing, that showed that Flynn was wrongly prosecuted, that quoted an FBI agent saying that uh, the FBI had politicized and pursued an investigation without evidence. That clearly had an impact on the election. It clearly shined a light on Joe Biden. And oh, by the way, one of the documents Bill Barr released in the 2020 election implicated Joe Biden in sitting on a meeting and Joe Biden suggesting one of the crimes that maybe they could pursue against uh, uh, Mike Flynn, which was this crazy idea of the Logan Act. Bill Barr had no problem putting that out in an election year and some of that out in the 60-day window, but he did have a problem just confirming a factual thing that Hunter Biden was under criminal investigation. Again, inconsistency, uh, in his argument that I think really undercuts the seriousness by which we should treat these interviews. And and let's let's take all of this, put it together with what we know, and I can, can come to only one reasonable conclusion right now, and that is that Bill Barr has been part of a cover-up for the Department of Justice and the FBI. Because as you said, talking about your experience with him in, in September, uh, of, of 2020. Uh, he also famously said that he knew that Joe Biden, the former vice president in the second and final debate, uh, it was actually the third debate, became the second because of the, they got rid of the second right, debate. Right. Uh, he, that he knew he was lying. He knew he was lying about the Hunter Biden laptop, knew he was lying about Russian disinformation, knew that the 51 veterans who had signed that famous letter, five, including five former CIA directors, was all a lie. It was a lie. Uh, and he he dispatched his FBI agents 
to big media, big tech, big social media uh, to make certain that the uh, October, I believe it was October 14th story by the yep. New York Post right. was shut down on the, on the Biden laptop and dismissed as Russian disinformation. Yep. He sent those FBI agents out while he's saying he didn't want to intervene and tell the American people that he knew Biden to be the liar that he is. Yeah. How do you square that one up? Listen, and John Ratcliffe, less than 20 days from election, went out and made a statement as the intelligence chief that the Hunter Biden laptop is not Russian disinformation. Bill Barr didn't stop him then. Bill Barr is all over the map on this issue of using the 60-day window, and I think he uses it now to excuse behavior that in retrospect doesn't seem to have been beneficial to the American people. It's a, it's a contrived excuse because he did release information on other things that negatively affected Joe Biden, it helped Donald Trump on the Russia collusion side, yet says, I didn't want to do the same thing on Hunter Biden. I can't understand the consistency uh, or how he reconciles uh, the, the lack of consistency in his behavior. I think he's trying to apply arcane bureaucratic rules to you know, mistakes that people are looking back with a, uh, a critical eye. If you knew the vice, if you knew the vice president was lying, why not tell us? Um, uh, if you knew that the, uh, the president and his son might have compromised national security with all of these former deals, why not tell us? And then, by the way, the Justice Department investigation goes all the way back to December of 2018. He had three years to tell us. All right. If he wants to say I didn't want to do it in September, why not in the spring and summer of 2020 when I first asked his people? And I want to be clear. I never talked to Bill Barr about this, but I did talk about to his deputies and the people authorized to talk to the press. And they waved me off a true story well before the 60 day window. So, again, all I know is the Bill Barr I'm hearing in these recent interviews doesn't feel like the precise, careful, lawyerly and very accomplished uh, Justice Department official I saw for most of his career. There's a disconnect, and I, I think he's doing a disservice with all of this disassembling excuses. And, of course, there are the lies. There are the leaks. Uh, and this is Bill Barr concerned about unprecedented, uh, uh, the unprecedented nature of what Trump had done, yeah. which is absolutely specious nonsense, if not or, or dissembling, or maybe just go to what it is. It's a lie. Uh, it is not okay to leak the FBI, the DOJ, leaking from those documents that they uh, seize illegally, and are, are my judgment, I will speak only for myself, that they seized illegally from Donald Trump. And, and we're going on. This is like deja vu. We're watching the crossfire hurricane. We're watching the Russian collusion hoax all over again. They're leaking what works for them. They are seizing documents that are absolutely incriminating, including, including it may well be, documents pertaining to Crossfire Hurricane that they want to bury. They may also want to know the legal strategy uh, of, uh, of Donald Trump as he pursues the RICO case against these very same characters uh, from Crossfire Hurricane. Uh, it's it's astonishing the possibilities here. Yeah, listen, and as a journalist, I'm not going to speculate what motivates him. All I can say is that the precision that Bill Barr used for most of his career as a very successful, accomplished lawyer and Justice Department official and twice the attorney general, I don't see that same carefulness in this recent television appearances. There are, with the book and some of these interviews, he has contradictions and co conflicts in, in both his behavior and in his answers that don't add up. And I think Americans will make up their own mind. I don't know what's in his heart, what his motive is. He'll have to answer for that. But uh, there was nothing preventing uh, uh, 
Bill Barr from letting the American people know in the summer and spring of 2020 uh, that there was an investigation. Investigations are confirmed all the time. By the way, almost every aspect of an investigation of Donald Trump was always public. So why did Joe Biden get that protection? I think history will look back and say there was an unequal uh, system, a thumb on the scale during the 2020 election. And either through silence and omission or through commission, large numbers of Justice Department and FBI officials put the weight of that thumb on the scale. And, and Bill Barr is part of that. As, and as far as he stayed silent and allowed the American people to stay in the dark. And there were plenty of mechanisms by which he could have done it accurately and legally uh, that he chose not to do. You can confirm the existence of an investigation that's not in, impossible or improbable. It could have been a notification to Congress. A lot of different ways he could have done it. It's done almost every day uh, in the Justice Department, including the way we learned about President Trump being under investigation. And we also have uh, the knowledge that uh, Bill Barr, at least in one meeting, uh, told uh, the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia not to pursue a significant election fraud irregularity. Uh, he thought it would take too much time. Uh, that was his remarks. Uh, and, and there are other examples of uh, dissuading uh, the FBI and the Department of Justice from pursuing election fraud uh, cases. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's just so much to answer here. Uh, and, and we and I will and I agree with you about speculation, but when you have a a former attorney general, the current attorney general, the president of the United States lying to the American people with frequency, regularity, uh, and substantively, uh, I I don't think there's anything speculative about the plight of this country when it comes to the character of its leadership at least as expressed in this Marxist dim administration, <laughs> uh, and unfortunately with Bill Barr as well. Uh, you get the last word here, John. You know, just real quickly, uh, there was an interview that Bill Barr did in December with uh, 2020, just before he quit uh, with Politico, and he made these comments. There is fraud, unfortunately, in most elections. I think we're too tolerant of this, and I'm sure there was fraud in this election. Wow. That's pretty accepting of the idea that we should just let fraud go on. And let's keep in mind, when he uttered those words in December of 2020, the FBI and the Attorney General and the Justice Department were aware that a foreign power, Iran, had breached a state voter database, stole 150,000 identities of American voters, and were using it to try to influence the election for and against Republicans. That is known now because eight or nine months after uh, Bill Barr resigned, the Justice Department brought that indictment, but they acknowledged in the indictment they knew about in the summer of 2020. So even when you look back at Bill Barr's comments on elections, first off, there's a tolerance. Yeah, there's fraud all the time. We're too tolerant of it. Well, what did you do to stop it? Secondly, at the time he downplayed and poo-pooed those ideas, he was aware, the FBI was aware of a major foreign power breach, Iran. And John Ratcliffe was trying to send us signals that, hey, there's something about Iran. But the, the attorney general didn't give us that visibility before uh, the election was certified on January 6th. In fact, it took eight, nine months after that for us to learn that the FBI knew that Iran and these hackers had carried out the hideous plan. So history will look back and there's a lot of facts that when added up against Bill Barr's words, there are contradictions and conflicts. And I think Americans will make a good informed judgment about Bill Barr's legacy when they have the full picture. And important to having that, picture is just the news and a great reporter 
uh, who also happens to be founder and editor-in-chief of Just the News, John Solomon. John, you're a great American. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it so much. Thank you, Lou. An honor to be on your show. John Solomon. Follow John and his outstanding reporting on justthenews.com and his terrific podcast as well. Thanks, everybody, for being with us here tomorrow. We'll be joined by Tom Fenton, the president of Judicial Watch. Tom is a keen watcher of the D.C. swamp. He and Judicial Watch do a great public service for all of us. Tom's here tomorrow. Please join us. Till then, God bless you, and may God bless America.